welcome to the official Brandon Ritchie Substack Podcast. Today's date is September 20th, 2022. Today I'm going to be talking about a few different things and I've got a very special guest on to get into some some mental, some of the mental gymnastics that we've all had to deal with uh, in the last couple of years that we have to deal with daily in life and during these chaotic times. And, and on that part, remember that this podcast is a map for helping you to be a zenith during chaotic times. And I think that's why you guys are going to really like my next guest here. And today I've got my, ne- my guest uh, Dave Morrow onto the show. Dave, how's it going, man? I'm doing swell. It's a beautiful day. Well, I actually shouldn't say that. It's a nice day here in sunny Montreal, and I really appreciate it. Appreciate you having me on the show, man. Man, no pro, no worries, man. I, I tell you, when I, I was thinking about Canada, man, I, is it is it cold up there this time right now? Is it still warm? It's getting, it's getting there. It's like uh, I got to I got to I got to do my conversion into American temperature. So it's around sixty five degrees. Sixty five Fahrenheit, right? Yeah, you converted yeah, yeah. To from Celsius. Fahrenheit. Yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, it's it's in the it's in the teens here in Celsius. So it's getting chilly. Wow. It's time to empty my pool. Yeah. (laughs) So, so yeah, you do, you do any ski, is there skiing up there? You do any skiing? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We got the Laurentian mountains that are about uh, an hour away from Montreal, or you could go down South to the um, Eastern township, which is even close to, you know, like Vermont, New York state area and go skiing down there too. So uh, I don't downhill ski though. So I've only done a little bit. I never really enjoyed it. So I'm more of a cross country ski skiing type of guy. Oh yeah, hockey. Yeah. So those are my those, those are my winter sports, but uh, skiing has never been a thing for me. I, I didn't like having to drive and like go up north. It's, you know, it's rich people. You know, I I got no time <laughs> for that. You know, so I get shot. I was like, nah. yeah. Was like, I'll just I'll just go on the free, I'll just go on the free free rink outside my house, shoot the puck a bit, learn how to play hockey, and that, that'll be that. So hey man, it's all good. It's all good. That's uh, yeah. Down here in the south, we have. We're having a, a growing uh, interest in hockey. We've got a little bit of it, but it's mostly uh, football and uh, football and baseball in this area. Although lacrosse oh, yeah, is growing, lacrosse is growing more in this area. Oh yeah, well that's interesting because lacrosse is technically Canada's national sport, but huh. it's not big. It's not big here in in my province of Quebec. It's not big here. I mean, the natives play it a lot, but you know, it's more of a more of a sport that's played out west in you know the uh, western provinces. They, they have a lot of lacrosse teams, but the um, yeah the Braves man. When I was growing up, because we had a we had a baseball team, right? We had the Expos. I was yeah. a baseball fanatic, and I freaking hated the Braves. Just beat our asses <laughs> all the time. You had John Smoltz, like <laughs> man Maddox. Like you guys were stacked. And we had that one amazing team in '94. We were going to go to the World Series, and then they had the strike, and that was it. You know, you know what's you know what's funny about that? I watched. I was big into baseball, and when that strike happened, I I, I basically stopped watching it. Same. Yeah, I was a kid. I was a little kid, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, my dreams are done." I was almost at every game because there was nobody at our games. It was it was really kind of sad, but I loved the sport so much. We had a the third base coach lived in our. Like we lived in a condo complex, so every baseball season he'd come up with his kids. Uh, it was Ken Maka, so he'd come up with the kids, and his kids the same age as us, and he'd just say, "Hey, uh, you want to come to the game today?" Like, yeah. So UP was our 
our mascot. So we hang out with UP and then we get good pictures with all the players. Like, yeah, we had such a good team, man. Marquise Grissom, Tim yep. Raines, like all these like, like Larry Walker. Just, oh, oh man. man, like I'm, I'm looking at my baseball cards right now. They're like literally right. In front of me. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like it's so nostalgic. Yeah, I've got a few here. I, I uh, when you mentioned uh, Marquise Grissom, you know he ended up being a Brave too. He played here in Atlanta. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, Tim Raines, I've got his. Uh, I think I have his rookie card. I think somewhere. All right on. It's buried. It's buried right somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So what? Uh, so tell tell Dave tell the audience a little bit about uh, about who you are, man, and just uh, kind of your background and uh, how you ended up here on this journey and how we ended up here on this podcast. Yeah, do you want the long version or the short version? Let's do the <laughs> I, let's do the medium, medium. version. Maybe medium. the in between. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cool. So, uh, well. I'm Canadian, born and raised in the suburbs of Montreal. As you know now, I love hockey, love baseball. So I grew up just as a regular person. And uh, joined the military when I was 19 because I didn't know what else to do in the summer. <laughs> My buddy and I, we saw the recruiting sergeant at our uh, at our school. And uh, we said, you know what, it looks pretty cool. And we get four grand for the summer. So we signed up. He signed the year before me. I ended up working in insurance at my uncle's business, and I realized, man, I really never want to work in office. So I was pretty convinced that the military was going to be a good fit for me, and it was. Like I joined, and I just freaking loved it. First week, I remember calling home and telling my mom, I was like, Mom, like I found it. Like I'm, I'm actually good at this. You know, like I was never a great athlete. I was an okay student, mm-hmm. but this I just happened to be naturally good at. I was fit, so PT was easy. Uh, and I was able to help others as wasn't like tea. And then I just realized it was a common sense at that level. They tell you to do something, don't tell you to do something, don't do it. And I was like, this is easy. So, you know, that led to, you know, leadership courses and, you know, getting promoted up to sergeant and doing a whole bunch of awesome different little things here in Canada and, you know, doing some exercises down in the States and over in the UK and Wales and doing exchanges. And it was just a great experience, you know? So in the meantime, I was working on my education. So I got a, a really, so I remember having a men's health subscription because I always had a job since I was like 12. So I just paid for my own men's health subscription. When I was like 13. I probably shouldn't have been reading men's health when I was 13, but regardless, it just, <laughs> my eyes to, the uh, the fitness world a little bit deeper and wait for that magazine to show up and I was just fascinated with fitness and my dad helped that a lot because he was like 1970s like like Schwarzenegger type like workout dude and then got into running and I always remember him going for runs and then he'd take me to the gym and we'd just do some basic you know workout stuff you know how to do some bro splits like okay yeah. today's legs and back or today's like arms and chest or it was like all right cool yeah and so he showed me the ropes and that stuck and we could go cross-country skiing and he'd always coach my team so that like laid the foundation so i was always fascinated with it and then science just i was just always fascinated with just why things work i'm always curious about why things work so that just led to me going into biochemistry in the university and i figured well what am i gonna do with this you know, I thought it was going to be some big, like, pharma bro. <laughs> like, stuff I own, like, pharma nobody. But I said, you know what? I, I don't think I want to do that. 
my phone, my entire family are teachers. I was an instructor in the military. I was like, okay, you know, I'm just, gonna, I'm going to be a high school teacher. Like that's what I really want to want to do. And I love teaching. I really do. Mm-hmm. So I ended up uh, getting a teacher's degree as well. And I was going to be my fallback plan. So I was doing that concurrently with the military. And from there I deployed in 2010 to Afghanistan. Cause that was like, the cherry on top of like, my military career. I can't be in the military and not deploy. For us, it's hard. It was actually relatively hard to get deployments because everybody wanted to deploy to Afghanistan and Canada. So the way our system works is we have like our battle group, our main battalions, they get deployed. Then they need to augment because for whatever reason, you know, there might not be, there might be, you know, some injuries or there might just, you know, some guys were just burned out. They had, you know, two, three tours under the belt. They're like, I can't do a fourth. So they need support. And they need people to fill in the gaps. So that's how our reserves are deployed. We fill in gaps. Like we're like rifleman number two. We're like, you know, sergeant in the lab where we fill in the gaps. And so I deployed in 2010 on one of those roles. And I actually deployed with, like I said earlier, when we were chatting offline now with the 10th Mountain Division, 171 Cav. So I was one of the only Canadians. I was the highest ranking Canadian on our strong point, which is awesome. And I had such a good experience over there. Like that my, like if, you know, is one of the high, like definitely one of the high professions of my life was uh, being deployed overseas. Like it was dangerous, don't get me wrong, and but I just felt so alive. I had so much responsibility. It was just really cool. I also got to like open up schools. I was there, which was right up my alley. I got to teach English classes. I got to do some professional development with uh, the Afghan teachers, learn about like what their lives are like, and it's very similar to a Canadian teacher back home too. And so I just had such a good experience. I was like, man, this was awesome. Um, I did get injured when I was over there, so that you know, kind of sucked. And that eventually led to me getting released from the military a few years later. Um, and when I came home, I just got back into teaching, essentially. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, and then from there, I realized that there was something off. Like the teaching, I thought, was like, okay, I'm, I'm set for life. I don't have to worry about anything. I got a job at a private school uh, in Montreal that I always wanted to teach at that's really hard to become a teacher at because they're pretty exclusive and people don't leave there because the kids are awesome. It's well-funded. You got all the sports teams you can coach that you ever wanted. So I got to coach football, track and field, basketball, like everything. Um, But something was off. It was just I I was dreading going into work. I was getting like panic attacks before the kids were coming into class. And it started to get worse and worse and worse. And you were you were getting, getting actually you were getting actual panic attacks at this point. Well, to the best of my knowledge, it was like I I would like my my stress levels would get to a point where I would have to leave and start breathing heavy. And like you know, we in the military we learned something called box breathing, which is basically like four seconds in, four seconds hold, four seconds out, four seconds hold. Just as like a kind of we're infantry, so we're dumb. Like we make it like a box. It's like okay, cool, got it. To get your prefrontal cortex turned back on. So that you're not in like fight flight, so that like you get a grip of right. stressful situation. So if there's bullets going overhead and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, you sure. know. And then you're like, okay, I can I can reset. I can use my brain again, and I can make decisions. I I was doing that, and I was like, man, this isn't cool. Like I was getting these, like I, I wouldn't even get these in Afghanistan. What the hell's going on? Um, and then because, and I only learned about this later because I didn't have a good understanding of who I was up until then. So I'm very thankful for having gone through this, uh, was the, the fact that I was holding all these kind of emotions down and like my body was like forcefully trying to make me address 
these things that were bubbling up, but I was pushing it down. I would come home and I'd be miserable because you can, you only have so much willpower. You only have so much energy and emotional distress is really energy draining. And I was constantly tired. I was always exhausted. And that translated into being just a miserable shit with my wife. Mm. I wasn't being a very good dad. Um, you know, and I was just constantly working on top of that. I was doing a master's degree, um, at night coaching full time. So I really didn't have much time for myself and I was just drowning myself in work to not have to address what was going on. And I recognize that now. And I was also taking on a heavy training load. I was, uh, training for the CrossFit open. I was, I was basically, you know, pedal down to the metal and a break on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I was just burning myself out and, uh, it just came to a head. I just said, I can't teach anymore. I'm done. And, uh, that was in 2018. And I was like, okay, she's like, yeah, that's fine. You know, you got, you got to change something up. Um, what I didn't realize is that I was suffering from PTSD. I had no idea because I was always good. I was like, well, I didn't really experience much when I was over there. Like I didn't get blown up. You know, my buddies didn't get blown up in front of me. Like that would have given me PTSD. Like, I had this preconceived notion. Like those are the only things I can give you PTSD. And that didn't happen to me. So I'm good. Carry on. And then once I realized, no, I'm kind of messed up. Like not only physically, my back was finished, my knees were finished, but then psychologically I'm struggling. That was a bit hard to take. That was, that was really hard to take. Um, but I started working through it. I left my teaching job, got another job in tech right away. Uh, that really didn't work out <laughs> really bad fit. A uh, small tech company startup. Um, I just took the job because I was like, Oh, this is anything but teaching. Even though the red flags were there, I, I didn't gel with the, the CEO. I didn't gel with the team. I didn't understand what my role was. Um, so mm-hmm. within three months, I was fired. And you know, that's hard on the ego, right? And then I'm at home, unemployed, not making any money. And my wife's like, what's going on? And I just went, I just spiraled. Like I was just, you know, full descent into chaos, right? And then that's when I had to fix myself. I was like, well, Either I fix this or it gets worse and God knows what else happens from here. So I just decided to start healing and listening to people. And that's kind of how I got to into the fitness space. It was just, you know, working on myself. What did I really enjoy? Fitness. What did I want to do? Well, once I started getting healthy again and started figuring out how to do it, I wanted to help others. And then one thing led to another. And before you know it, I had a few clients. Before you know it, I had a podcast. Before you know it, I had a book. And then, in, you know, it's been about four years now, and now we're, we're here having a chat on the podcast. Then fast so, forward, here yeah, you are with me, dirty, yeah. you're like, this is, what am I doing here, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is wild. Like, I mean, like this, you know, in my wildest dreams, if you had told me four years ago, like, oh, you'd have a podcast, you'd talk to some of the leading experts in the world on fitness, health, nutrition, and you'd be talking to Brandon in Georgia through a connection of a random text messages, text message on, on, uh, messenger to to jerry who joined my facebook group yeah. like these are all things like i'd be like whoa pump the brakes okay first of all why aren't i teaching anymore oh you hate it this isn't what you want to do the rest of your life it isn't oh okay cool and then you know pot- like all these things were just so foreign to me yeah not very long ago and so it's just been the ability to open up my mind be open to new experiences and to really listen to my gut and how i feel about things and and to identify what emotions I'm feeling, which I think was probably one of the most important things about having to go through what I went through was like, you have to 
really get in tune with your emotions, man. And like, we're, you know, I, I didn't grow up learning about them. I didn't, my emotions were like anger, rage, happy. Like I, there's no like gray zones in there. So basically that was it. <laughs> it's like, just I, all these you know, extremes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just these extremes. And like, I didn't, I didn't know how to identify like what was going on. Give you a funny story. Like when I first started teaching, when I got back from Afghanistan, I got, I was, I was home in July. I was back teaching in a class in October. So a really short window of time because I just thought, well, I'm a hard charger. Like I felt like I'm a hero. I can do anything I want. You right. know? So I took right. on this crazy load. My body, when I was going, uh, when I was going into class, so like in the morning, I would have to run the shitter because my body was just, saying stop it was giving me just like ins- like sorry to your listeners but like insane diarrhea yeah like, oh my gosh like and i wasn't drinking coffee i wasn't smoking i wasn't doing anything to and i wasn't tuning in like my body's saying like you're doing something wrong like if that's a na- like every time you go to this one job this one place like this is a this is a mechanism like your body is saying something to you you didn't get poisoned you didn't do anything mm-hmm. why is this something that's happening and i only recognized it later that when you have these really bad, like you can have this, like these nerves and this bad situation, like that's normal. Like your body in a new situation will do some interesting things. We all know what nerves are. But if it becomes chronic and it's something that's always happening, it's like, well, what are you going to do about this? Are you doing, and your body's just like knocking on the door, like, hey, do something. I'm here. Yeah. I'm telling you, this yeah. is how I'm manifesting it. This isn't working. Then enough system will break. And so I've only learned that through talking to people on the podcast and, you know, talking to therapists and, and just really working on myself and how I feel about certain things in certain situations that I've been able to bring that to who I'm working with and on the podcast and, you know, the other things I write about on my blog. So it's been a real, real interesting journey. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Dave, that that's uh, what you just said there is key with, you know, the, 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 the whatever it is knocking at the door your body's trying to tell you something you're going to have a reaction we're biological organisms right so as an organ granted we're complex organisms but but that's what we are at the end of the day so when when there's environmental stress of some kind whether it be mental emotional physical that organism's going to respond right so you felt this and earlier you mentioned off off audio when we were talking you know, like, and because you you were talking about how you had been able to do this journey and 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 reach out and talk to different people, and um and really kind of hone this this new journey of yours, right? And you mentioned the word free thinkers. You know, like how so many free thinkers can really have the ability they can to learn to think outside of a box, you know, to be able to think freely enough and examine something that says a lot to me, that says a lot about you in terms of your journey and and you finally listening to your body, listening to those, listening to those cues, (laughs) you know, as you're running into the bathroom stall, (laughs) you know, you're listening, you're, you're, you finally start going, wait a minute, you know, something's wrong here. You that says a lot to me about your mental state of mind and how you compartmentalize that. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Of uh, coming to that, being able to recognize that in terms of the mental process of being able to go, okay, wait a minute, you know, what am I not addressing here mentally, or what am I not seeing up until the point mm-hmm. that you did see it? Can you talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that? 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I grew up in a family that just basically didn't talk about emotions. Right. So when you have emotions, it's just a, it's a personal experience. It's just, you know, if it's not rage or like extreme happiness, then you're not really going to be talking about it out loud. So therefore that was ingrained for a long time. So I apprehensions going into work were pretty big, but I was able to compartmentalize it because, well, what else am I going to do? This is what I'm trained to do. I am a teacher. So therefore suck it up. Like the message was, yeah, this, this is normal for every teacher. Like it, it sucks. It's a hard job. So until I got the perspective and if you want to use the, you know, the I guess the, the term free thinker, I thought I was pretty open to ideas and, and, you know, quote unquote free thinker. I thought I was um, pretty uh, liberal in that sense. But in actuality, I wasn't. I had very a very fixed mindset as to what, you know, a good person was or what I should be for other people, you know. And I had a hard time accepting that there, there's a, a lot of different shades of gray and I'm not really recognizing them. And so only until I kind of had my, I don't know if you want to call it a break or like awakening or whatever you want to call it. Then I could reflect on that and be like, wow, I was not in a good place. Like I was really suffering back then. Like I was going home literally because I didn't even have a place to stay. I was staying at my parents' place at that point because I just got from tour. I sold all my worldly possessions. Like I had nothing except this job. And I remember coming home, turning off all the lights and just like weeping in my room. And that didn't, that didn't tell me that something was wrong. That just, I, I compartmentalized and said like, this is just what is like for a teacher starting a new job. I just explained it away. Hmm. And I, looking back, I'm like, holy shit, like that was, that was a really hard period. And no wonder I only lasted three months. You know, like I, I you know, it, there's no way I could have lasted longer. And so that's, that, you know, when I look back, I'm able to, to have a, you know, a, a different perspective on things. But thank God things started to kind of spiral because I, I, I probably would still be teaching and pushing all of this down and, and who knows what happens, you know, like the, the disease sets in, like all these awful uh, consequences happen when you don't address what's really bothering you and like any trauma you might've had and any, like any things that might've really caused a, you know, a stress response that was out of the ordinary that just needs addressing and it needs work through and you need to figure it out. That's like the human experience. And I just, like I wasn't completely human at that point. I was I was just getting through and I wasn't thriving. So that's, I guess, the, uh, I hope that answers your question, but that's essentially how I was able to kind of put things in the box. Yeah, no, that, that's, that. no that's, that's really, that's really uh, helpful and, and it's insightful. I think, I think I've always said this, you know, about myself, like I've always, uh, quite frankly, to myself when I was in my late thirties, went through a tough time, went through a little bit of a depression and, uh, and even that, and during that time, <clears throat> up until that point in my life, I never talked about anything either. I had never shared any emotional, um, it really anything with anyone. I kept everything bottled up inside, you know. And uh, I always just thought to myself, I didn't want to, bo- I didn't want to bother others with my problems. Mm. Uh, I'm strong enough. I'm tough enough. I can handle this, you know. And then, and then what I realized when that happened, I reached a, I guess you would say a breaking point with it myself. So I looked at it and said, well, wait a minute, I need to start to, um, it's okay to 
seek help with some stuff, some stuff you just can't handle on your own. Uh, you need some feedback. And I look at it just kind of like this podcast, you know, like when we talk, when you have your perspectives and your life experience and I have mine and we come together and we're able to talk about certain things, I think it's, I call it uh, filling gaps. You may have things where you, an, an area of need and maybe I can fill that gap and vice versa. I may have a gap that needs to be filled. And, and in terms of a knowledge base, in terms of, of, of a learning uh, model, that's helpful we can all walk away from a conversation we can take something valuable away from a conversation and if we're introspective i've always been introspective and I always look in i'll think back on on something you know even if it's a conversation that was uh difficult uh with someone if i had a strong disagreement I always walk away from it and always think back on that conversation and 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 you know what what can i learn or did i approach this the right way or or am I sound in my judgment? Uh, I ask those questions. Do you go through mm-hmm. a check? Do you go through a checklist like that with yourself, or is that just? Uh, I think we all have a little bit of that, you know. I I try to now for sure. Before, call it youthful arrogance, maybe. I just assume my point of view is the right point of view because, mm-hmm. well, how couldn't it be? Um, and. You know, in, in all truthfulness, I think last year with all the COVID stuff and the Afghan stuff, I finally had this breakthrough where I realized like all the, all the messaging that I've been getting for decades, right? Left, right, you know, pick any political topic or any philosophical. It, it's not, it's not black and white. You know, it's very shades of gray. I found it, you know, almost hard to align myself with, let's say, like a, a more right of center type mm. ideology or or way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Just because I'm like, well, I didn't grow up that way. You know, for me, I'm like, well, I have some values that I think are are right. And then I see, and I like, I take for instance, like it, in you know, like I work with the Americans, right, and you have a very pluralistic society and like typically in the military, we have a more conservative point of view. Right. I was, I was at more of like the liberal type bend and that's, you know, not necessarily the norm, but definitely Canadians as a whole tend to have a more liberal type bend. But then I work with, you know, three different American units when I was deployed. And I'm like, Oh, you're like basically the exact same as us except for a few small differences, we all believe in the same, we all believe in the same thing. We all want to take care of ourselves in a sense. Like we want to have a, like essentially if we have a family, we want them to grow up better than us. We want to have food on the table. We want to have a nice house. We want to have like, we want, we, we want to be okay. So we all, and even the Afghans are like, oh, they all want the same thing too. So I was like, oh, humanity in, in and of itself is basically the same. We just go about things a little bit differently. So can we meet, have common ground? Of course we can. And last year, it made me realize, I'm like, man, I got so much more in common with, like, let's say, like, somebody from Texas right now than I do with people in my own backyard, just mm. because we think. And I'm like, oh, yeah, so this whole left-right thing is is immaterial. We're all, we all, we're human beings fundamentally, and we all want things to work out. And I was just kind of blown away at how easily it was to just, like, rip apart our kind of social fabric 
just based on a few people saying a few things that made everybody kind of like zero in and align on one key topic, which was like, you know, one virus. And I thought that was fascinating to see, but also really troubling. Um, so, you know, like I was like, man, I'm moving to Texas. That's it. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta get to Florida. I would never would have said that three years ago because, you know, like I, we look like the, the news we get here is like Florida is just like this backwards gator town, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, we don't go down there. Like I've been to Florida a bunch of times. I love Florida, you know, and Texas is like, oh, you're gonna get shot in Texas. Everybody's got a gun. And I'm like, you're not gonna get shot in Texas. Like, I mean, like, like my, like it's just it's weird how your perception gets skewed based on the messages you get all the time. So right. I guess the point I'm trying to make was that last year was really eye opening. It just made me realize how how much more aligned we all are. Once you move, once you take away all the bullshit and messaging that's like coming our way, if you put me in a room with you know a bunch of let's say you know hardline let's say Christian Baptists from the states, right we will have a lot to talk about and we'll have a laugh and we'll have a great time. Right. But if you're looking, if you're looking at, let's say the news, you'd be like, how could you, how, how could you talk to them? Like, what would you, it's like, cause we're human dude. Like, yeah. cause we're human Yeah. because that's the thing. And if you don't get outside your bubble and start talking and start having interactions with people that are outside of your little like insular world, you're never, you're never going to appreciate the, the awesomeness that other people bring to your life and perspectives and just ask them, like, why do you think that way? I think it's fascinating. And that's, that's what I've been trying to, to do as much as possible is, like, just be curious. And the podcast has really helped because I get to talk to people that I don't have necessarily an alignment with on everything. And it's important. Even your wife, you know, I'm not aligned with everything my wife thinks and vice versa because we're human. So I think if we were to do that a little more and just have a little bit more discernment, and that's kind of what I'm trying to do with the podcast. It's just, like, just, just take a moment, pause. Like, is this... Like, does this change or, like, confront any of your longstanding beliefs? If so, why? And what kind of emotional response do you have to it? And then go from there. That, that, that's it. And I'm, not, I'm no expert, but I've at least got to the point where I can ask that question because before I couldn't. Well, I think it, yeah, and I mean, look, I think at the end of the day, I mean, you know, this is about um, we all want, it, I would say the majority of us want the best life we can have and that same thing for our families. And we don't, we just don't want to do it under, uh, you know, under someone else's boot or under someone's thumb, you know? Right. And, uh, and by the way, if you want to move down to Georgia, dude, come on, man. I, Hey, we're not far from Florida and, and, uh, you know, Florida's football team is not nearly as good as ours here, you know, in the college. Uh, <laughs> so we, you can come here and hang out here. You could be my neighbor. We'll hang out. We'll, you know, I'll show you around, show you the ropes, you know. I, I had a guy, I, I had uh, Charlie Bales on, who's a, uh, he's a, he's a diehard uh, Florida Gators fan. Right, Florida, right. And can't, can't stand, um, uh, was it Georgia Tech? Georgia no, Tech probably either. Georgia, UGA. Or which is it is, Georgia? Which is my yeah. team. Yeah, that's that's okay. my team. That's where I coached. And, yeah, it's Georgia. Florida is the big rival. That's why I made there that little go. jab at Florida, yeah. But his, his wife is from Georgia and is a Georgia fan. He's like, but that's how they met, which is really cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I feel like I'd be uh, I'd be a traitor if I went down there. But I just put on the, Ge- the Georgia jersey just to piss him off. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know there's a big rivalry down there. It's pretty cool. Well, uh, no, but that's, uh, that's fascinating, that journey. And, you, you know, you're, um, 
so what it, you're doing now, so you're in the fitness uh, community now, and do you do you bring some of this uh, some of this mentality as well to your to your students? Do you um, do you kind of share uh, some of this in terms of the mental side of this with your students? The mental journey, the the um, I guess I guess the growth uh, transitioning from that fixed mindset to more of a growth mindset. Do you do you? Do you talk about that with your students as well? Yeah, I, I, I try to as much as possible. Uh, and, you know, a lot of it's contextual in terms of, especially nutrition, mm-hmm. because we have long uh, standing beliefs that are almost religious. And so getting somebody to change their nutritional habits is almost like having them change religions. Uh, you can talk to every anybody, and they they have a, a pretty fixed idea of like what it means to be healthy with respect to their their nutrition, and so I spend a lot of time on that, and yeah, I have to I have to do a lot of education, but the goal is not to really I don't want to I'm not trying to force you into anything. All I'm doing is presenting what I've learned, what I've done that works, and use testimonials and other experts to kind of guide you through that process because that's the hard part. You've come to a point where you're, you don't know what to do anymore. You're like, well, most people, most guys have tried calorie restriction. Most guys have, you know, worked out like crazy, gone for runs. Like, and for whatever reason, it's not working and they're just frustrated. So it's like, you got to take that and, and dig for that pain. It's like, well, why do you want to get fit and healthy? Like, wh- what is the main reason? So if you can use that as like the main why as to why you want to get fit and then layer on top, well, how long have you been trying to do this? 10 years, five years? Okay, cool. Well, when's it going to do it in a few months? Oh, you can do that? Oh, yeah, but it's going to take some work. Are you to do the work? Yeah. Are you willing to listen to some new ideas? Yes. Are you open to those ideas? Yes. Okay cool. Now we have a foundation. Now we can have that conversation. So, and that's, that's what I try to do. I don't try to, uh, do anything that, uh, pushes them necessarily too far, too fast, because as we all know, you try to ram something down somebody's throat. Yeah. I'm going to push back, right? We're humans, right? We we can only take little bite-sized morsels of change. And once you get to the point of like, you just, you know, one brick at a time, just add a little bit, add a little bit, add a little bit. And then before you know it, like, uh, I guess a wall analogy is the worst analogy you can use, but uh, yeah. I guess it's the analogy of like how do you, how do you eat an elephant? It's like one bite at a time, right? right. So you know, trying to trying to build in new habits and use the best science and the best evidence out there to help you get to that next point, and then have the individual come up with their own p- paradigm and their own new protocol is where I you know my teacher background really really helps. Um, they got to come to it themselves. You know, they, you can bring a horse to water, but you know, as we all know, but can't force them to drink. Granted, they're coming with the openness of like, I need to change. And overwhelmingly, they do because they're, they're already have changed that their mindset as into a into one of a growth mindset, because they're looking for answers. So, you know, depending on where you are in that spectrum, you know, mm-hmm. like, if you're not willing to change, we're well, not going to seek me out, you know, but you can listen to the podcast, you can read some blogs, maybe it'll change your opinion. Maybe it'll make you start thinking, but that's that's essentially what we do, right? As, as trainers, we try to get people to do things that are slightly out of their comfort zone, and then just constantly 
add and push a little bit more, push a little bit more until they reach their their end state. Yeah, absolutely. I think it. I think it's about uh, you know, it, it it's about uh, problem solving. Life is about problem solving, and right. and so when it comes to self optimization and better in oneself, like whether it's with their fitness, nutrition, business, whatever, you have to solve the problems. Um, if you overcome the problems, then you, you achieve that goal, right? So the, the key, though, is getting people into that, that mindset problem-solving mode, if mm-hmm. you will. That's one thing that you touched on there. And I think that's the thing with the, uh, the difference between fixed mindset, growth mindset. I remember there was a study done on that, actually, about uh, fixed mindset. Some people, like you said earlier in the show, that have a, a belief that they, there's a ceiling to what they're capable of doing or a ceiling to intelligence mm. uh, versus a growth mindset. They actually did a study of this. I forget the name of the psychologist that did it, but it was a where they would take two groups of kids and put them in a room and they would give them, uh, they would give them a, a problem that was easy to solve, right? So they would, they would solve, it was purposely easy. So they would solve the easy problem and then they would give them a harder problem. And then the kid would try the harder problem and they may solve that problem, but struggle a little, but they felt pretty good. So they would keep going. Then they would give them a problem that was extru- that was really difficult. And then the, and what mm-hmm. they would do is when they got to the difficult problem, the kids with the, what they labeled as the fixed mindset, they would just throw their hands up and get frustrated and quit. They wanted to move on. But the people, the kids with the uh, growth mindset, uh, they they looked at it differently. They saw it as a challenge, and they were like, kind of put their you know, kind of put their thinking cap on, put their hand on their chin, and start trying to figure out. Okay, let me try it again. They would keep trying and reattempting until they mm-hmm. until they got to a solution, which was more of that growth mindset. And so that I think that's a yeah. I, I think well, that's, that's- a. Yeah, that goes along with what you're what you're talking about there exactly. Mm, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's um, you're referencing Carol Dweck, who's the uh, the Stanford that's researcher it. that Carol Dweck. popularized that theory. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get her. On, I'm trying to get her. On, I'm trying to hassle her to get her on the podcast. Oh, are you? Uh, you getting Carol? You're getting Doctor? Oh, really I'm a, pop- yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I'm I've a been fan. emailing her. I, I get no response, but. <laughs> I get it wrong. I'll let you know, but uh, that's how I get people on the podcast. I just hassle them every few uh, every few months, and then I get a response. I may get a response. I may not. Uh, I keep on hassling, and then I try to find socials. I'm uh, yeah, I'm a patient man. So uh, <laughs> I'd love to have her on because I, I love your book, and uh, it was really relevant to the teaching community because we used that basic concept as a means. Like I taught math, and that's a very you know, it's a very frustrating topic for a lot of kids, right? Right. And most adults, right? Like they're like petrified. Like as soon as you start bringing up numbers, that's more than like you know addition, subtraction, and like some basic multiplication. Like even adults, they see fractions and they go, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of there's a lot of shame and and like hurt feelings that come about from like elementary school. If you didn't get it like right away, you know, like oh, I'm dumb, uh, I don't understand math, and like those are the those are the limiting beliefs that get cemented, but. The, the biggest thing that I got out of that and the most practical thing that I got out of it was, oh, yeah, you don't understand how to do this problem, comma, yet. 
Right. And trying to convey that to, you know, a 13 year old or 14, 15 year old, like, yeah, I know this program, program problem's hard, but you know what? I don't know a single adult that doesn't know how to multiply. Right. I don't. So you just, you just don't get it yet. You will. Hmm. And then you can just kind of see the lights go on. It's like, I'm not, I'm not upset at you that you can't do it yet, but I can't wait till you do. And you know what? I guarantee you in a few weeks, you'll, you'll likely get it. And it's just, it's just like that shift. It's like, oh, so you're not upset that I don't have it yet? No. No, I mean, you, you're just, you just, it hasn't clicked yet. And the feeling you get when it clicks is a really cool feeling. And so if you can encourage that curiosity, like I love it when things click. Like I took some really hard courses, man. And I took some like, like uh, well, calculus three was hard. Differential equations, I failed like three times. <laughs> yeah. Finally got it. You know, like these courses that I just had such a hard time with and I was like, well, I need to pass it to get my degree. Like I can't not pass it for class. So, you know, I would struggle and struggle. I'm like, am I dumb? Like, am I dumb? Is this the problem? Like, am I just dumb? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and this is before I knew Carol Dweck and all these things. Uh, and so I was just honest with myself. I was like, I think I'm dumb. And then it's like, no, 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 no. You're just missing a few key things. And so like at that level, you know, you go seek help and then you go, oh, just missing that and then you're like oh how did i miss that and you know that's just the you know the power of like having a network and like being able to ask like an expert and you know but that's part of problem solving right that's part that's yeah. part of the process it's like you can't feeling gaps expect to be able to do all on your own you may have to go out and seek help and then it just allows you to do it faster like that is something that i only learned later on in life you know if you want to do things at a relatively good clip just go see the people that actually know how to do it and learn from them Rather than beating your head against the wall and not getting anywhere, we'll seek help. Yeah. No shame. Fill those gaps, man. Fill those yeah. gaps, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's the, that's the thing. You know, I, I think, um, no, that's phenomenal. And I, I believe, you know, it's funny that you mentioned uh, mentioned uh, Dweck, and, and, and that is something that I've written about, talked about uh, in the past. And that was a, that was a fascinating study that was done I, I i think that's particularly in this current environment i think it's a very uh it's a very essential thing a very vital thing for people to to hear about and understand because a lot of those limiting beliefs that you talk about people just impose i, I guess it's just human nature we impose those things on ourselves uh oftentimes mm-hmm. um you know instead of saying, yeah, I can do that, or I can figure out how to do it. People who I can't do that, or I can't, I can't, I can't. They use that word a lot, that that phraseology a lot. So I always try to mix that with the vocabulary. Um, Vocabulary self-talk is, it's a, it's a real thing, man. I mean, it's, it, it it means everything, you know? I have to agree. The self-talk is probably the, what I found interesting, I, I never saw myself as ever becoming an entrepreneur. I was, you know, Sergeant Dave for a long time. And then Mr. Morrow, teacher Dave, those are my entrepreneur was never like, I didn't have a lemonade stand when I was a kid. Like I worked, I always worked jobs, mm-hmm. but I never had that. Like the idea of like starting a business, maybe in the back of my mind, but it wasn't like a thing. And once I started really getting into it, like, I think I'm going to start a company. And I was like petrified. I was just like shit in my pants. I was like, <laughs> I have no idea how to run a company. Like I've been to school, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I took some classes 
you know, like the army, uh, had a pretty cool program for a week of like intensive classes. I took that. It's like, okay, this makes sense. And then I didn't do anything for like years afterwards. And then I was like, okay, once I lost my job there, I was like, yeah, I did that really like the wrong way. Typically you want to like build up some money, have some cash flow coming in, start building the business and be like, okay, now I'm going to go do right. this full time. I was just like, I don't have any money coming in. I'm going to start a business. And my wife was like, what's the matter with you? Is your brain broken? Turns yeah. out it was, but anyways, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I started getting coaching, um, for, you know, for starting a online business and the, yeah, the over all the lessons I couldn't, I was like, at the start, I was like, I just want to learn like, what do I put on Facebook? What do I sort out on like the back end for filming? Like, I want to learn tackle stuff. And my coach is like, Dave, that will come. But your mindset has to change. Your mindset around money, your mindset around selling, your mindset around why you're doing this, we have to get that sorted. Until you get that sorted, you're going to be scattered and you're going to have no vision and you're going to fail. He's like, I'm going to be straight up. And I, I remember that conversation. I was like, oh, he's like, and that self-talk. He's like, if you're not saying every day, hey, I'm going to be able to do this. I am an entrepreneur and entrepreneurs get after it every day and make their business run. It's like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but I was like, Oh, it's like, yeah, if you can't convince yourself that you're doing what you're meant to do and this is, this is it. It's like, you're going to have a really hard time. And that's where most entrepreneurs, they fail. Like in the first two years, pretty much 9% are out. Yeah. And he's like, it's a mindset. He's like, I see it every time. He's like, I coach a lot of people. If you can't get your mindset right, that's why we're working so hard on it. He's like, you got to be dialed in. You got to have the mindset that you're going to succeed. You got to have the mindset that like when it gets hard, you're going to keep on pushing through. And you are good. You are going to help people. You, you're not, you're going to suck now, but you're not going to suck later. <laughs> it's right. like you're, you suck now, but you're, you're just not good yet. And it was just the same thing. The power over of yet. And over and over again to just ensure that you set. And that's the one thing I, I, I really started to appreciate. I have to say things out loud. You can say things in your head. Like, yeah, I'm good at this. I'm good at this. But until you like actually put it into the universe, you have to write it down and say it. Until you do that, it doesn't really manifest itself because it's not, it's, 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 I guess, I guess metaphysical. I don't, it's, it, it hasn't taken any shape. It's amazing what starts to happen because it's like you start recognizing that these are things and your physiology and everything start aligning with what you're saying. And you're right. If you start saying like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not, you start like pulling away and, and you, 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 yeah, you can't, your physiology basically says you can't like you, you literally start like slumping your shoulders and stuff. It's, it's wild how your body reacts to how you say things. So you have to be really careful about what you say out loud if you want to be successful. That's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, it is. I think and you, you're, you touched on that yourself, you know, and just, just kind of talking through your, your whole experience, your growth, through all of that, you know, and, and, and that, that's the thing I think a lot of people like your, 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 your business coach was telling you, you know, like your, you have to get your life sorted. You have to get this sorted, your mindset sorted first. Uh, and if you don't get things sorted, things are out of order before you start and you're just, it, it, everything's a cluster, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's, I think the organization of all that. You know, you have to have uh, certain certain methods to organize that stuff. Everybody has that. I, I think um, 
you know, with myself, even in my business, my background, same thing. I mean, I went through the hard times, the struggles with all that too. And I have a, you have a vision and you try to do like with this podcast, you know, look, I have a vision, I have guests. I want to, you know, maybe one day we can, uh, both of us can be on Joe Rogan's show. I don't know, but, but, uh, but, you know, you see, you have this experience and this life experience and these things to, to teach people and to coach people. And it's just a matter of helping them organize that or maybe seeing that one fill the gap, that one missing element in their lives they can plug in. And it just gets them so many far, so many steps further ahead. It's just that one missing element, like you said in the, uh, what was it, the calculus or whatever, the math mm-hmm. problem. It's the one missing element. It's the one thing, but like in math, if there's one thing that's off, the whole thing's wrong, Right. Right. And uh, that that's the same thing with, with people. I'm, I'm convinced that's a, a big part of it. And I, I see a lot of that in society, a lot of missing, a lot of gaps, a lot of missing links in society, too. So I think that's where a lot of this comes from. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that we're in our space and doing what we're doing, have the ability to shift and impact culture, have the ability through our students, through our friends, our colleagues, I think we have the ability to shift culture. And I think that we're in the, whatever you call it in this current fourth turning we're in, this, you know, the world's going through a major shift right now. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that this is at the very heart of it. I think what, this, what you're talking about is, is really, at the, really at the heart of all of it, just self-optimization, being able to seek out solutions and not just be dogmatic about your own belief and bang your head against the wall and be frustrated and angry. Um, I think, I think that's the real thing is trying to get people to understand, look, this is a networking opportunity, not a, not a fist to the chin kind of way of, of, of getting things done. Right. And that's that's I think that's the new movement that we're faced with. I, I believe I believe that you know. Mm, yeah, I, I'd have to agree with you on that. I like that you mentioned the fourth turning, and that's you know what I like about your blog, right? It's got um, a lot of good philosophical elements and historical elements in there. Part of the part of the reason why I'm in the fitness space is is for that reason. I I you know always wanted to help. So I saw the military as that, you know, that, that, that mechanism, that medium to help others, you know, like, yeah, I wanted to shoot guns and blow shit up. And, <laughs> but then I, you know, I was like, well, you know, Afghanistan, like they need some bad people killed. Like, it's like, okay, I'll go over there and do that. Like they're the bad mm-hmm. guys. I'll go fuck them up. Let's go. You know? And then I was like, uh, okay. Well, that kind of fell flat in his face. Cause well, in my opinion, it was like that, that's one thing I think the veteran community is coming to grips with is like we spent 20 years fighting these wars on terror and they're all bullshit. That's l- like last year in a nutshell, but I digress. Right. <laughs> the next right. thing is, you know, I was uh, a teacher. It's like, okay, how am I going to affect the world? How am I, like, what can I do in my small patch of land that can affect many people at scale? Oh, I can teach science. I was like, science, that's it, you know? So I'm going to, I'm going to convey like, scientific principles to the next generation and they'll be able to go forth and you know help the planet and just 
be good people and you know we'll figure things out with like the next and i was like okay well i can't do that anymore because i'm this i don't want to be in a school anymore it's not the right medium for me so then the next iteration is okay i'm going to help the individual get healthy because and i had this conversation with a podcast guest he's a repeat podcast guest dr philip ovedia who's a cardiac surgeon who says basically you know what we're doing to our civilization is so wrong we're all dying of heart disease we're all obese we're all metabolically broken and he's like the system is the reason for it and so hmm. we're aligned on on that front and we're aligned on the front that he's like you're not going to change the system you have to change the individual the individual is what is going to make the change and if enough individuals make the change and become healthy right then the system has no choice because it's then made up of just healthy people and will no longer be able to sustain itself in its current format so that's exactly how I feel too. I, if I can affect the individual, because the way I see it, you cannot, uh, if you want to look at, you know, Maslow's pyramids and pyramids of pyramid of needs, you can't really become self-actualized if you're really like fundamentally like unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You, you just can't, like you can't think of high order problems if you're sick. If you're sick, you're focused on how do I become unsick? How do I become healthy? And then after that, how do you thrive? Uh, if we can get that base layer kind of taken care of, like, you know, it's assuming obviously you have shelter and, and you have like, you know, family unit and like friends and stuff like that, which is a big thing as well. But I, I, I can't, I'm not going to help you out with your, your friends necessarily your family, you know, I'm going to fe- help you with your, you know, your nutrition, your sleep, mm-hmm. your strength. If we can get that sorted and dialed in, then yeah, you can start worrying about the higher order problems. And I think that's one of the major problems we have is just that the individual, like we're, we're all sick, 88% of, Americans, at least from the study that came out, and I'm sure it's the same for Canadians, metabolically broken, metabolically broken. Like they have one of the four conditions of metabolic disease. So obesity, high blood pressure, high um, um, triglycerides, and uh, insulin sensitivity. Hmm. If you have any one of those, you're, you're, you're unwell, you're, you're sick. Yeah. 80%, 80% have it. And it's like, well, how do we get here, man? Like, how do we get here? So for me, this is, this is my mission. And I focus on the veteran space because I'm one. And I, I, I think we're an untapped resource in research. Pretty, pretty devastating there. You know, veterans are, are more likely to be obese, more likely to have a traumatic brain injury, more likely to commit suicide because, and it's exasperated by things like obesity and traumatic brain injury. And like for men, especially like, the testosterone levels are, are cratering across the planet, but even more so for veterans. So mm. I'm like, okay, I think we can do something on this. Like, I, I think I can have an impact. I've gone through this shit. Let's share what I know and let's see if we can make an incremental change and then gradually have a, have a large effect in that space. And then we have a bunch of people that are just really motivated and, and really keen and, and now healthy back in society, kicking ass and taking names. That's how I see things shaken out because i'm an optimist and i think because of that fourth turning we're going to go through some shit we need the people that know how to go through shit healthy so yeah. that's like my higher order thinking on all this we're pretty similar dave <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah we're we're pretty similar um hearing you say all of that i i couldn't have it was as if you were just you know inside my head reading from my mind um <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it's good to know I'm not the only crazy one. No, like no, this. man. We're hey, it's no, it's it's very it's very honest, and uh, I think I think that's that's the key 
is that, you know, it's it's about action. People teaching people, you got to act on it. And the thinking is backwards to your point. You're right. Uh, people, the thinking is backwards. You know, you have the medical establishment too, which a large part of society has become so dependent on instead of being independent from, right? And yeah. our goal is to make them independent from the medical establishment. And I think that's the that's the whole crux of this. And you're right. If they're not if we're not dependent upon them, they they cannot be who they are. It just mm-hmm. ceases to exist on its face. Or at the very least, uh, there is something new and good and fresh that comes and replaces it, you know? Yeah. And Which I think is why I think that's what's that, that the space is being made for that because I think people are starting to finally realize, yeah, why am I still sick? Why am I still fat? What I've been doing everything. Like, the stats are really, really, really telling. Like Americans and Canadians have done exactly what their doctors and governments have told them for the last 50 years. Don't eat so much, reduce salt, reduce red meat, and there's still crazy fat. You know, like it's just, it's it's insane. It does, and crazy sick. So if we're doing exactly what you tell us to do and we're still sick and we're sicker than ever, well, that means the paradigm is broken. It's it's It's, it's false, like, it needs to shift. And I think people are just like starting to realize, Oh shit. Yeah, it's true. And you can try any fat diet, whatever. As long as you start realizing once you have the awareness that wait, maybe my doctor shouldn't be my frontline individual for my own day to day health, because you see them for five, 10 minutes. Who are they to say? Like there's so much on the internet now you can just start going down the rabbit hole on anybody's freaking youtube feed and like if they've Mm -hmm. got some good information which a lot of them do like top-notch surgeons doctors like they're all over the place to start listening and and start paying attention like i i I love the era that we're in it's just i think it's like the the great awakening right because of the Mm -hmm. internet because like i can talk to you and share ideas yeah i think it's coming and i think i think healthcare is going to be very different than what it you know for at least my kids when they're my age than it looks now because from in my in my opinion like my doctor is like i'm is just is somebody if i need a prescription and if i if i'm you know if i'm really sick i'm going to the hospital you know like if i need something removed from me i'm going to see a surgeon mm-hmm. my, my gp like i'll be honest like unless he's prescribing a drug like what else what else is he doing for me like he's just going to say the same old same old uh reduce salt uh are you still exercising oh okay good you know like thanks mm-hmm. doc like I can kind of do all that on my own now. And I think that people are starting to realize that and doctors are starting to realize, Hey, we need to actually like, take care of the people. Like I listen to some awesome people on podcasts. Like there's doctors out there that do that. They're like, Hey, how are you doing? Oh, okay. What's bothering you now? You know, like, Hey, you getting enough sleep? Oh, okay. You know, it's just, yeah, that's what we need. That's what we need. And that's what we used to have. It's yeah. just, it, it, it's kind of gone by the wayside. And so I think we're, we're starting to realize that we just, we're lonely. We're sick. We followed we've been very dutiful and we've very, we've followed everything that we've been told to do over the last 50 years and it's not working. Everything. Everything's point, you gotten, just have to say, it isn't working, man. I'm, I'm going to try something else. Thanks. Yeah. Everything's gotten too centralized. Everything. Yes, everything is too centralized and it needs to be decentralized. And, and that's the whole, to your point, like the old days when, you know, used to have, 
you know, the home visit doc, the doctors that would come visit, come to your home. I forget what they call them, like the travel doctor or the doctor yeah, back in the old, like yeah. yeah, back in yeah. the old, but that used to exist, you know, used to have, but they had a personal relationship with their patients um, mm-hmm. and would take care of their pay. It, it, I don't know if we'll ever get back to that model that way, but we maybe at the very least we get an explosion of maybe some healthcare doctors, some providers that will, we could create an environment that makes it more decentralized so they can be more available into, to, you know, the community and, yeah. and to families. So, but look, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on the time here. I know we got to, we got to cut it off here, but, uh, Dave, man, I appreciate you coming on the show today. And uh, I want you real quick, tell, before we jump off, I'm going to close it out. But if you would, just tell the audience where they can find you, where they can connect with you, any websites. Of course, I will add your social media to the Substack once I go live with the broadcast. But go ahead and tell them where they can find you. Right on. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. This is great. I love having conversations like this. So the easiest way for you to find me is just head to davemorrow.net, and you can find my blog and podcast and training programs there. I've also got a Facebook group. And if you find me on Facebook, it's uh, Dave Morrow PT. That's my business there on Facebook. And the link to the group is, uh, is that follow me talk about all kinds of topics and you can see me go live every week. And we talk about everything from fitness to, uh, you know, lifting kettlebells and mental health, you name it. And, uh, I'm also on, on Instagram under Dave Morrow PT as well. So those are my three main ones and, uh, I'm always open for a chat so you can send me a message and join the group and I'll be glad to answer any question you might have. Man, Dave, I appreciate it. Yeah, we're changing culture, brother, and we're going to continue to do it. And I want to tell you, let me, if you can, Dave, hang on the line for just a minute. I'm going to close it out. But, guys, ladies, gentlemen, I uh, hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, remember, make sure that you go to brandonritchie.substack.com, and, and that way you can see when this podcast, when this episode goes live. Make sure you subscribe. Also, make sure that you connect with me on Facebook and Getter. Remember, I've got the official Brandon Ritchie Substack community page on Facebook. Uh, shoot me a line there. And please make sure that you share this out with your family and friends. Remember, this is about being a map to help you be a zenith during chaotic times. This only works, guys, if you share it with those that you know that can benefit. So get the word out. Be a force multiplier. Get it out into the spectrum, and we'll make this thing run. In the meantime, make sure you stay strong, stay focused, stay active, and have a great day.
You know who made it. <laughs>